Now, how many of you were here last evening? Praise God. Thank you for coming again. Uh, and to those who are here for the first time, thank you. We really appreciate that you would travel. I spoke to some people yesterday. They had traveled almost 250 miles to come. They've booked hotels and they're staying over. So we just appreciate you being here. Thank you. Um, we hit a level last night in the realm of the spirit. We saw healings which were beautiful. We saw deliverance that was beautiful. How many of you agree we hit a level? When I say hit a level, I mean we shift. We didn't start on gear one. We, we were like uh, on gear, I'll say gear um, three yesterday. So in, in spiritual things, as we progress tonight, we are not going to go from gear three to gear one or neutral, you know. We're going to shift from gear three to five, uh, okay. Because you go from glory to glory, okay. You don't go from uh, glory to the pit. So if you are sensitive, you are going to experience something greater than last night, okay. I ain't a superstar, I'm a simple pastor. And uh, we're all here to receive. A word of caution, if you are going to receive, you need to be attentive. To be attentive, that means your phone mustn't vibrate in your pocket, you know. Um, Facebook must be switched off. Uh, and um, I'm going to give you 60 seconds right now, maybe perhaps reach down and just say phone uh, for the next hour or two it's not with the phone with the throne so you know you got to go off now because I'm going to turn something off and then dear precious parents thank you for bringing your children and uh, the kingdom of God is for such amen but would appreciate your utmost attention to your precious children in such a way that uh, everyone can enjoy the service, including the parents with children. All in agreement, say amen. amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I've got my family here with me. Thank you for coming, Auntie Claire and Darren and my cousins. Uh, let me acknowledge them. Can you stand just so that people know who my family is? Uh, they are extremely white, but they are my family. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's my auntie. Believe it or not. Okay. And those are my cousins. And then I uh, want to appreciate the people who are really housing me, feeding me, looking after me. Uh, Lakshya and Andri, can you stand with your kids? We just want to appreciate you. Can you stand, please? Please, we just want to appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Let's begin there. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. As you know by now from last evening, I'm not a lengthy preacher. I try to get the point across as fast as possible and then get into ministry. So Luke chapter 10, verse 17. So pastor, where's the woman at the well? It's coming. It's coming. Luke chapter 10, verse number 17. If you don't have a Bible, sit next to a Christian. Okay, 
Let's read. One, two, go. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Did you see that? Okay. Look at verse number 20. This is crucial for tonight's discussion. One to go. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not. What did Jesus say? You know, you're sharing good news with me, but don't rejoice in that. But there's something greater to rejoice in. What is it? Notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in heaven. Now, tonight I want to minister for the next 25 minutes on this subject. The names that are written in heaven. My God, the names that are written in heaven. Yes, every meeting, the Holy Spirit has a mission. That means he wants to do something. Pastor Jerome can't come and do whatever he wants. You know, heal whomever he wants. And you know, pray for whomever he wants. No, the agenda is not set by the man of God. The agenda is set by heaven. And we have to be careful to do what the Lord wants us to do. Tonight, I want to... This message is going to provoke a lot of people. While it's provoking a lot of people, it's going to draw a lot of people to Jesus as well. The names that are written in heaven. Let me run through the verses again. Now last night we saw some good things. They were beautiful. We heard the testimonies. One of the testimonies that touched my heart was the Buddhist boy. I don't know whether you came today. Are you here? The Buddhist gentleman, he had two, uh, what we call in Sri Lanka, two surahs, you know. Uh, that's what a Buddhist person would wear for protection and blessing. So he was here wearing a, a green t-shirt and one of the most beautiful things because he had suffered for one and a half years with a pain on his soul. Not his soul here, but his soul under the foot. And doctors didn't treat it right, so he was still in pain. But we saw an immediate recovery in this man. We witnessed deliverance. We saw, I told you, when you saw that lady coughing, you thought it was a normal cough. But before she vomited out anything, I told you, that cough is her deliverance. That's not <coughs> my flu. No, no, no. Flu and got a clue. But we're talking about something else here. So we saw all of this. We saw all of this. Beautiful testimonies. Am I right? So in the same way, Jesus sent 70 of his disciples. 70 of his disciples. Gave them power, gave them authority and sent them. And when they went, they went on ministry. Jesus wanted them to manifest the kingdom. So they went, they healed the sick. They cast out devils. They did all of that. And they were coming back. Are we together? They were coming back. So they had seen mighty healings. They had seen demons coming out. They had seen amazing miracles. And the 70 disciples 
are coming back. Pastor Jeremiah thought he had only 12. No, after the 12, he raised 70. So they came back. They started to come back. And they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, wow. Someone say, wow. Say it backwards. So they came like that and they said, wow. Front and backwards both. They said, wow. And Jesus said, why are you going wow? Why are you going wow? Jesus, you don't understand. When we used your name, sickness was healed. When we used your name, demons that we couldn't see because they were wearing makeup. Yeah, I offended somebody right there. I couldn't see the demon, but when I said in Jesus' name, the fellow came out, we saw amazing miracles. Jesus said, don't be happy about that. Don't be so bubbly about, he burst their bubble. You know, he burst their bubble. He said, don't, don't be so happy about that. He said, let me tell you something to be happier about. Something that you don't even know. What is it? What is it? What is greater than casting a demon out? What is greater than healing the sick? What is greater than raising the dead? Jesus said, there is something you don't know. Your names are written in heaven. That is better than all of what you have seen. Glory to God. Names are written in heaven. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is very significant. Very significant. Because Jesus is explaining to the disciples something that they are not aware of. And often, when a preacher is preaching or screaming, one day my Youngest daughter, seven, Havinia. She asked me, just recently, Dada, why do you shout when you have a microphone? <laughs> you don't want to know my answer to her. So, you might find that the preacher is preaching things that you have not heard before or you have not known before and that's the responsibility of a teacher and a preacher. To bring an awareness of things that we have not heard or known before. And Jesus is explaining to the disciples, you are very happy about demons coming out and healing the sick and all of that. Let me tell you, your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in heaven. Hmm. So the question is tonight, if my name is written in heaven, then that's where I belong. See, heaven is a real place. Hmm. I said heaven is a real place. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You don't believe it? I know why. Because you're too educated. You're too educated. You think Christianity is for the foolish. We are reading the gospel of Luke. Luke is a doctor. I said Luke is a doctor. Christianity is not for the foolish. But you need a different kind of wisdom to understand. 
one day all of us in this room the day will come when none of us will be here on earth some of us will leave a little sooner than others but all of us are going to leave all of us we're going to leave our back blackberries we're going to leave our apples and have you heard of the new pineapple pen <laughs> we're going to leave all of that and your spirit is going to come out of your body the body without the spirit is dead so the bible says and for jesus to with audacity say that my name is written there either he's hoodwinking me either he is a liar like someone said either he is absolutely a lunatic or he is lord hmm so the day will come when pastor jerome including all of us here we have to say our goodbyes hmm everyone's going to have a last day if you don't agree all in agreement okay we're all going to have a last day what do you think the most important question would be on your last day your question the question that you will have what do you think it will be where nice very nice nice where am i going nice is my name written in heaven nice what is not so nice he said heaven or hell i said not so nice uh actually it is neither of the above all of what they said was good but i want you to know the most important question that you can ask on your last days you know what whose words did i believe while i was living on this earth because everybody believes somebody you're not hearing what i'm saying hello everybody believes somebody everybody i'm talking about everybody either you believe an atheist or you believe the theist either you are on the side of john lennox or you on the side of dawkins at the end of the day when you are going 6 foot under in sri lanka 6 foot has become 3 now <laughs> they dig the hole and find out oops uh, you know they're still there and when you're going down and people are wiping the last tear of their eyes they don't realize the question remains whose words did this bloke believe 21 years ago i decided i looked at all the options and i said 
I don't think there is anybody like Jesus whose words I can stake my eternal destiny on. I can stake my life on what Jesus has said because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No other. So, guess what? All my eggs are in his basket. Why? Because I'm not trying to fry them or scramble them. I've given all my options to him. And I have put my trust in what he says. If you don't do that, you are not a Christian, you are a bastion. You know, bastion is a surname in Sri Lanka. So forgive me if I bring my dry Sri Lankan jokes. Okay? Try to laugh for courtesy's sake. Mm. So whose words are you believing tonight? Oh, pastor, me, my wife, my, anything my wife says, <laughs> I will believe her words. Anything, my wife is my life. Yeah. Whose words do you believe? Whose words do you believe? What kind of books are you reading? What kind of movies are you watching? What kind of paper is in your hand every morning? Whose words are you believing? At the end of the day, we are absorbing words from here, there, the internet. I'm telling you, beloved, we are a walking vessel of words. We are a product of the words we have believed. Two days ago, I traveled to Liverpool to see my friend, Kurt Van Flute, who I did business with in the apparel industry before I came into full-time ministry. He said something very touching. He said something very touching. He's not a full-fledged Christian. One day he'll be. But he's getting there. And I, uh, when the, before the recession hit, I gave up the business and I said, you know what, Kurt? He didn't understand my Christian language. I said, God's calling me into ministry. And just two days ago, he said, Jerome, when you left the business and you, you said you can't, I'm the one who lost. But I was wondering, you left a lot of money. Those were his words. He said, you left a lot of money to go into ministry. I said, yes, I left about $5,000 a month to go for $300. And you know what he said? He said, you must be really believing in what you do. Some of us listen to preachers that don't even believe what they preach. You need to get out of there and come to places like this that you get somebody to tell you what is true. Amen. Amen. And I have put all the stakes on the words of Jesus. So, is your name written? First of all, if Jesus brought up heaven, heaven is real. If Jesus said names are written, then it is written. The question we are going to find out in the next 15 minutes is, your name written. Ready? So by your silence, do I mean you're with me?
the amazing thing about Jesus is he brings realities that we are not so familiar with. Melanie and I, my, my beautiful wife Melanie and I, we just enrolled both of our kids, 11 and 7, put both of them together, it's 18. So we're handling 18-year-old. We put them for swimming. You know, we put them into swimming. And they are learning to swim, Pastor David, they're learning to swim. And daddy, big daddy, cool, sat next to the pool. And while I was contemplating, I thought of the water moving like that and kids playing. And I thought, hang on a second. I don't know whether it was the Holy Spirit, but I thought, hang on a second. Jesus never taught anyone how to swim. Why? Because he walked on water. So I sat there thinking, man, that's a higher reality. Until Jesus did it, no one thought it could, it was possible. There are certain things that Jesus has revealed the human mind is not able to comprehend. One such thing is the reality of heaven. John chapter 3, verse number 12. Okay, I'm beginning. I've got 13 minutes to break this down. You ready? Mm, is 13 your favorite number? After tonight, it's going to be. Now, if you are going to experience the supernatural, you have to come out of the superstitious. Okay? You get into an aircraft, you never find seat number 13. I hope you know that. You get into a hotel, you never find room number 13. Or neither do you find flow 13. After flow 12, it's 14. But bad news for those of you who were born on a 13. You're doomed for the rest of your life. Why? Because everything in your life is governed by numbers. You are in trouble. But tonight somebody is going to be helped here. Someone who is extremely superstitious. That when they get up in the... I'm, I'm prophesying already. When you get up in the morning, you must put your right foot on the floor first. And that's the foot that got the arthritis. Yes, you put your right foot. Superstitious. Okay. So, 13 minutes and I've got to do it fast because we need time to minister. So, do I have your utmost cooperation? Yes. Okay, this is for your own good, by the way. Let's go. Jesus is speaking to a man called Nicodemus. Nicodemus is an educated man, an intellectual man, a man who knows the, the Torah. He knows the first five books of Moses. He's a scholar, my God. He's a, he's, he's a graduate beyond graduates, okay? So, he comes to Jesus at night. Someone say night. Now, you know why he came at night? Because no one will see him coming to Jesus. Some people sneak up on God so that the family does not see. You don't want to inform everyone that you've come to a meeting like this. Because, you know, you don't know what they will say. So he came like that. And Jesus begins to explain to him about this new birth. How when you accept Christ into your life, you are literally born from above. You're born from above. 
And you become new. Someone said new. So this guy, Nicodemus, was confused. He said, what do you mean this new birth? Uh, I need to be born again. Jesus used the term born again. Say born again. Uh, he said, you will not be able to see the kingdom of God, the reality of a spiritual world. You don't know about it, Nicodemus, but you will not be able to see it and experience the reality of higher realities like walking on water and things that are outside your realm of thought and reasoning. You will not be able to experience it until you are born again. Now, Nicodemus asked him a simple question. That means I had to go back into my mother's womb. Why did he say that? Because he couldn't understand the vocabulary and the language of Jesus. So now Jesus' response to him is this. Watch this. Let's read. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not. I have told you earthly things and you believe not. What is Jesus saying? How shall ye believe if I tell you of Look at that. Higher realities. I'm telling you earthly things, man. I'm telling you earthly things. Nicodemus, Jesus, if he got angry, would I call him? Nico, come here. You don't understand earthly things. I'm just explaining to you in simple English. This is not Elizabethan English. This is not Shakespeare English. This is not speaking in tongues. I'm telling you in simple English. And you cannot understand earthly things. What if I tell you of heavenly things? You see that? We spend too much of time with people who talk earthly languages. They only talk about soap operas and oh, what's on the market and I got this for sale and I bought that and got that for free and cheap talk and your life will be just like those people. Some of us need to get a new set of friends. Look at what Jesus said. So he says about heavenly things and he shocks him by saying, no man, let's read. No man hath ascended up to heaven. Now again, he's mentioning heaven. No man has ascended up into heaven. Okay, continue. But he that came down from heaven. Now Jesus makes an even more ridiculous statement. What is he saying? He's saying not only is heaven real, but guess where I came from? I came from heaven now Jesus could have said I came from my mother's womb that would have been right but he said of something that was of greater reality he said even though I came out of my mother's womb how did I come into my mother's womb some of you miss that is it because of the babies I said some of you miss that Jesus said could have said I came out of my mother's womb. And he would have been right. But if he said, I came out of my mother's womb, he has to explain how we got into the womb in the first place. Because there was no man involved in the pregnancy. So it is outside natural laws. A doctor will scratch his head till his last hairs fall off his head. Because he can't figure out how a virgin birth can become a reality. And yet a doctor is recording it. In Luke chapter 1. Come on, somebody. You're missing me tonight. I said, I said, a doctor in a natural sense in England will sit and say, virgin birth, you must be crazy. And yet it is Luke who is a doctor in chapter one that explains Mary was born of a virgin, as a virgin. Gave birth as a virgin. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? 
So that doesn't mean all doctors live in disbelief. There are those who have a good enough brain to commit it to God and say, I'm not the one who got this brain. You gave it to me. Please use it for your advantage. Isn't that amazing? We need to come to that level. Are you, are you with me tonight? So Jesus says, no man has said, I came from there. I came from there. This is why I trust his word. I trust his word because he came from there. And if he says heaven is a real place, then I believe that. But the question tonight for us in the next eight minutes is this. How do I know if my name is written? How do I know if my name is written? Okay? All right. Mm -hmm. Jesus is not the only one who mentioned about names written in heaven. You have Moses in Exodus chapter 32, verse number 32 and 33, who, who he himself understood because he was a prophet. He understood that names were written in a particular book. It's called the book of life. What book? One more time. Exodus chapter 32, verse 32. Let's read. These are the words of Moses. Yet, if thou will forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book, which thou hast written. Okay? Read. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever had sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. So Moses talks about a book and his name written in it. And he was so passionate as a pastor about the crowd he was pastoring. He said, Lord, please, please forgive these fellows. They don't know what they're doing. If you can't forgive them, take my name out of the book. God says, Jehovah says, he says, Moses, I won't take your name out, but I will remove their names. So, question. Can names be taken out? Yes. Okay, now we came to that conclusion. Now, in Revelation chapter 3, we find Jesus making an amazing statement. Let's go to that. Revelation chapter number 3, verse number 5. Let me check. Are we all together? Okay. Let's read. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Let's read. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father. So question, can names be taken out? Yes. Names can be taken out. At what point is a name taken out? Is the question. I will come to that. But at what point is a name written? Now I used to think, listen carefully, listen carefully. I used to think those days that when someone gave their life to Jesus, will say, okay, you don't know Jesus. You know him very well, but just for their sake. You don't know Jesus. And at a meeting like this, an altar call is given and he comes to receive whom? Jesus. Jesus. So he lifts his hands and he prays the salvation prayer. And he says, Father, I'm a sinner. I acknowledge Jesus as my savior. Cleanse me with your precious blood. Make me a new person. I want to be born again. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And then we, we have heard pastors say, Ceylon, 
Today, your name was written in heaven. Am I right? Now, I used to think that's what happened. But when the disciples came and said to Jesus, demons are coming out and the sick are getting healed, had they received salvation yet? No. Why? Because salvation comes after the cross, after the resurrection. Are we together or have I lost you? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Salvation is by the confession of your mouth that Jesus died and rose again. So Jesus hadn't died, neither has he risen again at the point where he tells the disciples, your names are written. So, question. They have not yet received their salvation. They are not yet born again. And yet their names are. So your names are not written the day you were born again. Oh God, I pray that people here will understand what I'm talking about. Are we together? Have I lost you? Okay, I'm messing up with your theology, I think. That's what's happening. But I'm telling you what's in the Bible. Telling you what's in the Bible. He doesn't take a pen and write, okay, Jerome gave his heart today. J. How, how do, Gabriel, how do you spell Jerome? No, that's not how it happens. No, no, no. Names were written in his book before the foundation of this world. My God, my God. Before the foundations of this world. For the Bible says, for the Bible says, before a day was that God perfected everything before the world even began. That's what the scripture says. Let me tell you what David says. Not, not Pastor David. Psalmist David. Psalm 139, verse number 16. Let's go. I have only, my time is up. But I need to share some more. Can I take three more minutes of your time? Multiplied by 10. Let's go. Psalm 139, verse 16. I'm just joking. Watch, watch this now. This is the psalmist David. He is saying, because he was a prophet also, he's declaring through prophetic understanding. He's saying, thine eyes did see my substance. Yet being unperfect, that means he was in the womb of his mother, a blob of jelly. I hope all of you are pro-life. A blob of jelly, unperfect, in the womb of the mother, and David is saying, God, you saw me while I was a blob of jelly. But amazingly, Lord, in your book, look at that, look at that. In your book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none. You know why I showed you that verse? To show you that your life was written before you ever showed up in this world. The Lord has not planned for anyone to perish. That is why he has written everyone's names before the foundations of this world. Your name is written in heaven. Yes. Thank you for that cute clap offering, but I'm very serious because if you really believe that, you would be shouting right now. But now you're wondering, Pastor, but I'm a Buddhist. 
God knows no Christian. He does not know Buddhist. In heaven, it's either Jew or Gentile. He doesn't know Muslim from a Buddhist. He doesn't know anything. In fact, God, if you say religion, God does not even know the meaning of that word. I'm messing somebody up right now. Lord, religion starts with R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N. And God says, what, what does that mean? Religion will bind you. A relationship with Jesus will set you free. Yes. Yes. Religion will tell you, you got to do this, 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 this. Jesus says, I've done it all. Just accept what I've done for you. Your name is already written. The only way, now say, my name is written in heaven. Yes, yes, yes. Say it with confidence because it's true. Your name is written in heaven. Every one of you in this place. Every one of you in this place. Now, now, now. The only problem is some of your names can be taken out. Now let's see who hoots. Say, my name can be taken out. Where is it in the Bible? Revelation chapter 3 verse number 5. We just read it. So in what context is a name taken out? Million dollar, sorry, million pound question. Let's look at it again. Can I go into that? Okay. Revelation chapter 3 verse 5 again. Watch this. In this verse, it explains in what context a name is taken out. Read. One, two, go. He that overcometh. Okay. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Why? 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 Why will I not blot out his name? Why? Why? The next part of that verse explains why the Lord looks over the names. What is your name? Nandana. Nandana's name. Nandana. Do I blot the name out or do I keep the name? That name written there means heaven is his home. That's his eternal destiny. Are you listening? Okay. A postman comes to your house with your name right there. That means that's where you live. That's where you live. Nandana's name is on that book. That's where you belong. That's where you belong. So in what context can Nandana's name be taken out? Watch this. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will what? I will confess his name before the Father. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, Nandana, I will not remove your name. But Jesus is saying, I will personally make sure that your name is mentioned in heaven. I will make sure, I will con Jesus himself will confess this man's name in heaven. Question. The Bible teaches us in Matthew's gospel, in what context Jesus will confess somebody's name before the Father. That will give you an understanding of whose name is blotted out. He said, I'm going again because I know some of you are not following this. Some of you are waiting. Pastor, quickly pray for me, will you? I got to go. Train is coming at 9.45. Train is coming. Pastor, you don't understand. England, we need to go. My pastor preaches 
15 minutes and three songs. And he lays his hands and I go home. That's all I came for, pastor. You're in the wrong meeting, brother. You are in the wrong meeting. These people are going to heaven. Where are you going? I'm going to Harrow. My God. My God. My Lord have mercy on your soul. Do you know that many of you would have had challenges coming for this meeting today? Because demons know what we're going to preach. They know exactly what's going to be preached. Right now you are more educated than when you first walked in through those doors. You know there is no turning back. You know with confidence that when you close your eyes here, you're going to open it somewhere else. Why? Because your name is written. So now the million pound question is this. In what context is my name taken out if it is taken out? The answer is found in this verse. Jesus said, I will confess this man's name. So now, Matthew chapter 10, I think. Let me see if I get it right. Yes, verse 32. Look at what Jesus says. Let's read it together. One, two, go. Uh-huh, uh-huh, go again, go again, go again, go again. Go again, go again. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying there is coming a day when I will confess Nandana's name before the Father. Am I right? Okay, in what context does he say, I will confess the name? In what context? He's saying, if any of you confess my name before people, if you confess my name before people, you can be guaranteed, I will confess your name there. Okay, I will confess your name there. Now, that tells you, that tells you in what context the name is taken out. In what context is the name taken out? If you do not confess the name of Jesus on this earth as your Lord, the name is taken out. Why? Because you didn't accept what he did for you? Come on somebody. Oh, glory be to God. I can sense the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart right now. Saying, my son, are you really born again? Are you really born again? Are you real? Born, born what? Again? Again where? <laughs> Tonight there's going to be a lot of people who will confess Jesus with their mouth and say, I receive what Jesus has done for me. What has he done for me? He has paid for your sin. Do you know in God's eyes you are not a sinner? Do you know that? Some of you are suffering today because of your sin. The easiest way to get out of it, receive the pardon free of charge. Free of charge. Jesus, I receive the forgiveness of sins through your name. Wow. I say glory to God. That's better than welfare, brother. Even welfare will not make you farewell. But this will. Jesus, I receive you. I believe you died for me. Because the Bible says when he died, I died. My sins were nailed on his body on that tree. Glory to God. Do you know how cursed my generation was? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know. My father was a gambler, an atheist, and his father was something else, and his father was something else. I was born into a cursed lineage. But I am cursed. I'm prosperous. I'm blessed. I'm rich. I'm healthy. 
I'm moving forward. I'm making progress. Glory to God. Why? Why? Because the day Jerome said, Jesus, come into my life. He converted me from my bloodline to Calvary's bloodline. I'm talking about converting from your family tree to Calvary's tree. There's going to be a transfer of trees today in the name of Jesus. Who am I preaching to? Glory be to God. I said, are you receiving this into your, into your life? Are you receiving this word into your spirit? Souls are coming to the cross tonight in the name of Jesus. That is God's priority for this meeting. Healing will take place later. But first, it is salvation for tonight. It is salvation for people who have never confessed Jesus before man. My God, that's when your name will remain. Your name will remain. Glory to God. What a joy. Pastor Jerome, you said about a woman at the well. Where is the woman? Is the woman coming or the well has gone? What's happening? What's happening? Let me conclude with this. Because now some of your trains are coming. You all thinking of your train when God has chariot. Hmm. Elijah was taken by a chariot into heaven. You all struggling by your train. That's why you're not a success. Because you're running on worldly time and you miss out on God's appointment. Yes. My God. Pastor Ronnie said something beautiful tonight. That's how I'm going to end it. While he was Actually, it was Sanjay. While he was playing right there, Sanjay Ratnam said, He's your healer. And everyone went, Amen. Then you said, Where's Sanjay? Then Sanjay said, He's your savior. And some said, Amen. But I have a question for you. What if you are not sick? What if you are already well and then you said let the poor say so what if you are not poor okay watch this many people think of Jesus as a product but he's not a product he's a person he's a, he's a person so here we are offering a person to you Jesus Christ not, not Pastor Jerome Jesus not the brand I was seated with an atheist recently and uh, you're a downright atheist. So he said, Pastor Jerome, you just said Christianity is not a religion. I said, yes, it's not. It's a relationship with Jesus. You are rebranding it. <laughs> I said, I don't want you, look, I don't have time, so I won't tell you what I told him and all of that, okay? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14 verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That was one day, John Lennox. Anyone heard of John Lennox? You heard of John Lennox? Oxford University? You heard of John? Okay. Anyone heard of Richard Dawkins? Okay. So you find John Lennox on one side and Richard Dawkins on the other and they are debating the God delusion. I'm writing a book called The God Conclusion. So here you have John Lennox and Richard Dawkins. And at the end of the debate, they come to a place where decently... John Lennox asked Dawkins one thing before the debate closes. So, it came to such a point, they had to answer the question. Do you believe, Mr. Dawkins, do you believe that there is good evidence 
and a high probability for there being a creator behind his creation. And Richard Dawkins went, while we cannot conclusively say that, we do have our doubts. Ladies and gentlemen, the capacity to know God. It's just that they're too proud to say, Jesus, I think I need you. Tonight, that's going to change. I said, that's going to change. People are coming to the cross. The blood is going to wash them completely. So the question is, when we are presenting Jesus to you, here is Jesus, okay? We are presenting the person. Watch this. We are presenting the person. And we say, he'll heal you. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm not sick. <laughs> come on now. Come on now. Jesus will bless you. I drive a Mercedes. Jesus will prosper your marriage. Hey, I've been married 32 years. The Lord will open the barren womb and bless your wife with a child. But we have four. <laughs> Jesus is the answer to all your problems. And you're saying, I have got none. So my question to this intelligent audience in Harrow is, when you have no problem, where does Jesus fit in? When you are not sick, where does Jesus fit in? When you are not poor, where does Jesus fit in? I'm here to tell you in these last two minutes where he fits in. That's where the woman at the well comes. There was one day, get me a bucket. Where are my buckets today? Where? Get me a bucket. I'm serious. People are taking me for a joke. No, that's because I'm funny. And they don't know when I'm serious or not. Get me a bucket. Get me a bucket quickly. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Watch this. A woman, a woman carrying a bucket. Here we go. This is a bucket. Thank you, Jesus. A woman carrying a bucket. She's called a Samaritan woman. She comes to what is called Jacob's well. And when she comes, she finds a man there. She finds a man there. Now she's been married five times. She must be really poor by now. <laughs> now. She's married five times and now she has what? Who sang that song? I think it was Billy Ocean. Oh, Stevie Wonder, part-time lover. Now she has a part-time lover. Okay? I know none of you know about that. Uh, but she had that problem. Five marriages and a part-time lover. And she comes to the well and she sees a man that she has never seen before. Who is he? Jesus. So she comes to the well and Jesus tells her, Jesus seated on the well because the disciples have gone to buy bread. Are you listening to this? Of course, you love stories. You will listen. <laughs> the woman just about to put the bucket in and draw some water, Jesus says, give me to drink. My God. Jesus tends to put value even in a person who is married five times and is sleeping around. To be able to say, give me some water, God even empowers even a sinful person. That's how good God is. So the woman says, Jesus, it is, she doesn't say Jesus, but she says, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We don't have dealings. That's another thing about God. He deals with those that don't want to deal with him. 
My God. He deals with those that don't want to deal with him. That's the love of God. But we don't have dealings with you. Some of you came to this meeting to have no dealings. But he wants to deal with you. In all love, he wants to have a relationship with you. So Jesus said, give me some water drink. The woman says, no, I can't do that. Jesus says, if you knew who was asking you for water, you will ask him for water and he will give you living water. The woman said, Jesus, you don't even have a bucket. That's what she said in John chapter 4. You don't even have a bucket. Can you see her realm of thinking? You don't even have a bucket. What water are you going to give me? Jesus said, whoever drinks from this well will have to come tomorrow again. Why? Because it never satisfies. But what I am offering you will be a well inside you that will bring life into you. And you will never be thirsty again. So, the woman said, give me that water. Tonight there should be people in this room like that woman who is humble enough to say, I am not satisfied. So, what does Jesus have to offer to somebody who is not sick? What does Jesus have to offer to somebody who is not poor? What does Jesus have to offer to somebody who has the perfect good life? What does he have to offer? All of the above, they still are empty the next day. You buy this, you need another car. You get this job, you need another one. You are never satisfied in this world with the normal water that you drink. You must taste of the living waters. That's when you come to a place where you say, I am so happy now. I am so fulfilled now. I am so joyful now. I have been with five men and I hate this one also. But I have met the man from Galilee. I have met the man that I have never met before. He is the answer to all my problems. Jesus, give me the living water. You know who the living water is? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 7, looking at a large crowd, he said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Don't go to Jerome. Don't go to this one and that one. Come to me and drink. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You are going to be a fountain of life. Glory to God. What does Jesus have to offer when you have already a happy marriage? When you already drive a nice car? When you already have the money? What does Jesus have to offer? He has to offer what none of those things can give you. It's called L-I-F-E, life. He gives you life. That's the truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He gives you life. That's what I love about Pastor David, bringing this up today. Thank you, Jesus. That's one thing that this woman didn't have. She didn't have a name. She had a bucket, but didn't have a name. She was called Samaritan woman. No name. This is what Jesus does to us. He gives those who have no value, no dealings, no name. He says, I have written your name, not only in a book, but in the palm of my hand. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Thank you, Lord. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Can the worship team come up with Pastor Pure? Would love to have Ronnie if he's okay and he's ready. Thank you, Jesus.
this word that you have received tonight I suggest you respond and just say thank you Lord thank you for what you have spoken into my heart tonight thank you Lord for what you have spoken into my life tonight my name is written in heaven thank you Jesus you're the Lord of my life you are everything to me Lord you are everything to me every eye closed thank you Jesus